The NFL season begins amid some major questions about the league's media future. It's Monday, September 11th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. The NFL is America's biggest media product, but that picture is changing in real time. Joining me now to discuss is Front Office Sports newsletter co-author Eric Fisher. Welcome, Eric. Hello. So this year represents the beginning of the YouTube era in NFL broadcasting as they take over NFL Sunday ticket. What did we learn from day one here? So been keeping track of this all afternoon long during uh, the first uh, week, uh, you know, main Sunday of games. And, and it's sort of like no news is good news, that it was fairly smooth, uh, largely without any sort of major incident. There were no major major outages. It's not going to be perfect for everybody. And there was still sort of a learning curve in terms of getting used to, you know, just functionally how the product presents itself compared to all the years that we had this on, you know, really three decades almost on uh, DirecTV on, on satellite. Um, you know, so there, you know, it, it wasn't 100% perfect for everybody, but by and large, you know, quiet and solid. And, and again, with these kind of streaming things, when you're sort of building a new product and, and kind of recreating all of this, no news is sort of good news. And that's by and large what we had here today. Yeah. And that's, you know, the first benchmark you, you have to hit is just you didn't screw up anything too major in, in the beginning. And that, that's and that's kind of how these things are evaluated, at least at the at the you know initial point is like, you know, did the Internet break because of this? Right. And that didn't happen. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, box checked on that longer term. What does success look like here? Success looks like they're beginning to, you know, make their nut that, you know, this is a multi-billion dollar contract. And uh, and again, you're sort of retraining uh, consumers how to think about getting these out of market games and doing so when you still have the red zone product, which is a really, really good product. And Scott Hansen is still doing his thing. And it's seven hours of no commercial football. And there's still an argument to be had out there that if you're not a just a super diehard fan of a team, not in your respective market, and not a super hardcore fantasy player, that red zone is a very viable product that you know, is available on cable and, you know, a little bit more readily accessible in a lower cost than Sunday ticket. And so that, you know, there's still some of the big questions out there in that sense. Um, but, you know, success still for Google and YouTube is getting this product stand stood up and continuing to innovate on product features and again, making it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I've spoken to people at Amazon and they said, you know, of course, they've got all these bells and whistles, all these, these you know, different features that you can access as you're watching. But I think for the first year when Thursday Night Football is was on on Amazon, on, on Prime Video, it was just, you know, about getting people to know how to watch football on Amazon. That was, you know, the biggest hurdle. And, and now Amazon is really leaning in and there's going to be a lot more product innovation on Thursday Night Football. And, and that's sort of the cadence of how that goes. You get that product stood up, and and then once you hit that initial benchmark, you can do a lot more. And ostensibly, YouTube is kind of a year behind in in that in that growth curve. And so they're getting this product stood up. And if we're having this conversation again a year from now, probably going to look very different because they will have already learned a bunch and added a bunch on then for the twenty twenty four season. 
So no news is good news for YouTube. No news is not so good news for Disney and Charter with Monday Night Football looming. Great transition. Yeah, so no news is bad news for uh, for fans, particularly in the New York area on this one, that we've got this big Jets-Bills Monday Night Football game. And as we're taping this, there has been no breakthrough in the negotiations between Charter and Disney. And there's a bit of a double whammy in, in the New York market on this that not only is ESPN among the channels dark on, on the charter systems, but even though they're brought, ESPN is also putting this game on ABC in terms of an expanded presentation for week one. This was announced back in the spring when the schedule came out, and this has been planned for months, but that's still not going to help unless you have a digital antenna or a different way to get the channel besides charter because that local New York ABC ABC affiliate is also owned by Disney and also is affected by this dispute. So bad news for local Jet fans. Bills fans have it a little bit easier that even though Buffalo is a big charter spectrum market as well, uh, that local ABC affiliate is not owned by Disney. It's owned by Scripps, and that channel will be available. So even though the Buffalo area charter subscribers will not be able to watch the game on ESPN, they will be able to watch the game on ABC. And is any kind of, you know, smoke signals or what have you from from either side here on on how they're playing this whole thing? Yeah, the big smoke signal is that Charter is all too happy to let these consumers walk as long as they maintain broadband consumers. There was a text that started going out from Charter to their subscribers. Hey, there's a free trial that we'll move you over to to subscribe to Fubo. Well, Fubo gets the ESPN channels and basically what they would be very happy charter being, they would be very happy for the consumers just to stay on as broadband consumers, uh, typically a much higher margin business. They can control their own pipe. You're not dealing with these kind of carriage disputes with any programmer on the systemic basis like we're talking about here. You know, it's a much more, for them, a much more solid, stable, profitable business. And that's ostensibly what they would like. And uh, Chris Winfrey, the uh, CEO of Charter, was at a Goldman Sachs con uh, conference last week and it said exactly that, that traditionally a video business was seen as additive to a broadband business. And now the thinking is that the video business could actually be seen as a liability to the broadband business. And so there's a real kind of separation going on there in terms of how Charter is thinking about its future and it informs this whole dispute. Yeah. All right. Eric Fisher, thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Let's check in on another couple stories. Coco Gauff won the U.S. Open on Saturday, defeating Arena Sabalenka in three sets. And now the unofficial title of Face of American Tennis is hers to lose. People have been waiting for this moment since Gauff came on the scene when she was 15. And she's been waiting for it since she was four, when she told her parents that she wanted to be the best tennis player of all time. Coming into the U.S. Open, she had earned around $8.1 million over her career. With her U.S. Open victory, she adds another $3 million to that total. At just 19, she is the 11th teenager to win a Grand Slam title. The last American teenager to do it was Serena Williams, who won the U.S. Open in 1999 in what was the first of 23 Grand Slam singles titles. Heading back to Colorado. When the Buffaloes hired Deion Sanders to be their head coach on a five-year, $29.5 million deal, school athletic director Rick George said they didn't have the money to pay him. But sometimes you have to spend money to make money. And two games into Coach Prime's tenure, the bet is paying off. 
Merchandise sales are up over 700% since Sanders arrived. A Colorado spokesperson told Front Office Sports that the school sold over $400,000 in tickets following the team's week one upset victory over TCU, and tickets on the secondary market for Saturday's blowout victory over Nebraska were going for over $400. The sportsbooks are also getting loads of action, with more money picking Colorado to beat the spread over Nebraska than there was backing 30 of the 32 NFL teams on Fanatics as of Friday. And the books are not necessarily happy about that. My colleague Doug Greenberg looked into this for a story on our site, and sportsbooks took a big hit on the TCU upset, and they are still very unsure of what to do about a team that is overperforming expectations by this much. As Doug writes, the prospect of a Colorado National Championship or a Heisman Award for Travis Hunter or Shador Sanders represent an enormous liability for the books. Up next, I spoke to the 1998 Heisman winner, Ricky Williams. I got his take on the whole issue of running back pay, the effects of NIL, and what he's watching for this NFL season. That conversation is coming up right after this. Very excited to be joined now by former Heisman Trophy winner and NFL star Ricky Williams. Welcome, Ricky. Hey, good to be back. Hey, great to have you. Yeah, so we had you on about six months ago or so. Uh, what have you been up to since then? You know, our main focus has really been on um, coding. You know, I have one of, one of my other businesses is a, is an astrology app. And a couple of years ago, trying to learn ways to communicate more efficiently with our development team, I started to learn to code a little bit. And just in my free time, you know, I write some code and it's just become a passion. And now that I can actually create things that can then find their way into the app, I'm actually helping build my own app. And so um, that's really what I'm spending most of my my free time focused on. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, So the NFL season starting up. uh, Is this a time that brings back memories for you? It does because it's it's the NFL, but before it was the NFL, it was the beginning of college season. And before it was the beginning of college, it was the beginning of high school. And before it was the beginning of high school, it was the beginning of Pop Warner. So, you know, this time of year, the end of summer, beginning of fall, it's like deeply ingrained in the cells of my body. Is it like, it's time to like get to work. It's time to do something. Um, Maybe that's why I'm so like, you know, obsessed with coding because it's replacing what I would have been doing during training camp. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's funny that like, yeah, you, this is I guess a, a time where yeah, you're you're ready to be like fully physically engaged um with whatever you're doing. Um and um oh yeah, this off season, you know, oh something that, you know, maybe near and dear to your heart is coming up a lot is is you know, um the state of running backs right now. Um I think they used to be some of the biggest stars in the NFL and now they still have the name recognition, but um, you know, the almost every big running back had some kind of pay dispute, it seemed, this offseason with their team. Um, how do you feel about um, the position and how it's being valued these days? Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's, you know, I think I, when I played, I could kind of feel this coming. You know? um, at least, you know, I, I, I kind of joke and say maybe I'm part of the reason. Um, is <laughs> because both, well... In my case, it was off the field, but but for most running backs on the field, um, they're not very de- we're not very dependable because the position we play takes so much so much of a beating that it's really difficult 
to stay healthy. And if you're building your offense around a position that is the most fragile, not because the players are fragile, but because it takes so much of a beating. And if you're building your offense around it, then it's running, then it doesn't work. It's not a good, it's not a good investment. And, and I think if we look closely, if we look closely uh, when Derrick Henry got hurt, okay, Titans, Titans were done. They're done. You know, and it, in there's so we look at these examples when uh, yeah the Colts is a great example right their season was pretty much done so when you depend and you build your team around a running back and the running back is hurt you're kind of screwed you know so it's this weird this weird thing you know I think Saquon is another great example right yeah if he would have gotten hurt their season would have been done and on the flip side because he was healthy he led them to the playoffs. Yeah. And so I think that to me, that brings another part of the conversation is you have the position of running back, but you also have the idea that to win in the NFL, you need superstars, you need playmakers. And so I think there's a certain class of running backs that should be classified as game changers, superstars. You know? And I think they should be paid like a superstar. But I understand why if you haven't made it to that level, it's, it's, it's a tough investment for a team. Yeah, right. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, do you think it's a problem that um, running backs are so, um, you know, that that they are relatively fragile and that, yeah, you, not just that teams don't want to invest in them, but that there's this position that's just known to be one that that takes a beating out there? Um, I think it, like anything, right, when when there's these pressures that force us to adapt, it allows us to evolve. And I think the running back position just needs to evolve. And it's already happening. I think Bijan... Um, from Texas now playing for the Falcons. I think he's a great example. And I think it's going to be fun to watch the way the Falcons, Falcons utilize him in the offense. And I think a running back position, you know, I think the highlight of the position, at least in my mind, is versatility. And I think, you know, having running backs be more versatile, I think you, in Miami when we ran the Wildcat, you know, because Ronnie could do so many different things, right? It made our offense, took our offense to a whole nother level. Um, so I think, you know, find playmakers and learn to be really creative with them. I think that's on the teams. Right. Cause the running back's often one of the most, you know, athletic, fast people on the field. And, you know, surely, surely there's a good use for that. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, and of course teams are using them, but yeah, maybe people need to get a little more creative in making, you know, giving them more options. Maybe, you know, yeah. You know, so there's a little, you don't know what to expect when they get the ball. Yeah. I think it's going to evolve into like a thumper. That's like a fullback slash running back. We already see these so many third down backs in the league. And then you're going to have a running back that's kind of a receiver wing, like Debo Samuel, you know, that can play. It's going to be a hybrid position. I think the the true tailback, you know, I think that those days, <laughs> those days are gone. Did you have a, a take on everything with Tua last year? I mean, for a while it seemed like, you know, maybe that guy shouldn't be playing. Maybe it's just too dangerous for him. At the same time, you He's a star when he's out there. So yeah, but that, that's the beauty. That's the beauty of the challenge of football. You know, is you got to find a way to figure it out because all of those things are true. You know, if he doesn't do something, that's we can see how the story's gonna gonna end. I was talking to someone in Miami, and they mentioned that uh, in the off season, um, the two has started practicing jujitsu. Um, and. And I started thinking, like, that's wonderful because whether it's, you know, makes him less concussion prone or not, mentally, he's done something to put himself in a better position. And so I think mentally, he's, he's I think he's in a situation where he's, he's doing the right stuff. 
they got to find and make, they got to make sure they protect him and he's got to learn to protect himself. But there's been a lot of fragile quarterbacks that have played a long time in this league because they knew how to protect themselves. Because Tom Brady, <laughs> right? Great quarterback, right? But I don't know if we'd ever call him tough. Another issue I just wanted to bounce off you. Um, so Caleb Williams, you know, is a junior right now, won the Heisman last year, expected to be one of the top picks in the next draft. Um, but recently his father's been saying, look, if we get picked by a team that, you know, we don't like the organization, uh, we might just, you might just go back for a senior year. Um, and I feel like I haven't seen college players try to exercise that kind of leverage before. Um, and you know, as a former Heisman winner yourself, I was just wondering what you thought about that. Well, it's funny because, you know, it's like, once you start paying them, I mean, what do you, what do you expect? You know? And I think. It's it's unfortunate, but we're always we're always shaped by our own personal lived experience as children of the rules, you know. Even if they're stupid rules, right? As we're kids and they're imposed on us, we have to follow them, you know. And it's just the reality of it. So you know, the old man in me, you know, is like, <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, right? We couldn't do shit, you know. We couldn't talk to alumni. We couldn't get job. We couldn't get money. We couldn't do any of those things. And so we accepted this inferior position as that's that's the way things are. And I think as things are changing, it's wonderful that that young college athletes are feeling empowered to take more control over their, you know, over their lives. And I think it's taboo, but some people, when they talk about professional sports, you know, they mention the idea of slavery. Well, once athletes start taking you know, ownership and using the leverage they have, then that conversation changes. But even if it was a slave master thing, the, the slaves have to be complicit in the, in the relationship. And so I think the empowering of uh, college athletes hopefully will spread and even empower professional athletes to, to take more agency. Yeah. Um, so you're advocating recently uh, for the players to be offered cannabis by uh, by their teams after games. And of course, you know, that's been a big passion of yours, you know, I guess while you're playing, but especially since since you've been playing. Uh, so, yeah, just explain that one to me. Why? Um, why should it be more than just, uh, you know, you're allowed to or you, you won't get caught probably, but the, it should be, um, you know, offered up. Yeah, I mean, it sounds it sounds crazy and it's cartoonish, and I and I guess that's part of the whole PR game, but but the reality of it is that the this is what I said. The reality is that at the end of the game, it happens every game. Okay, the trainer is walking down the aisle and he has his pill case and he's got Ambien and he's got Vicodin. No, and all I'm saying, why not just add another option? Why not that? That to me, like that doesn't seem so that doesn't seem so crazy. You know, and another part of, that's missing in the conversation is because cannabis is schedule one, we haven't been able to do the amount of research that's been done on Ambien and Vicodin, you know, <laughs> which is crazy. You know, so I think as, as that starts to change and we can do that level of research and there's resources put into turning cannabis into something that a trainer and a coach and a league feel comfortable about putting inside their pill capsule, you know, that's what it takes. But, you know, that's more of what I'm saying is I think being a professional, a retired professional football player, it's I think that in advocating for them, they should be given all reasonable means with, with which to take care of themselves because it's a really tough sport. 
So just to hammer this out, uh, you're saying like a trainer would literally walk down the aisle of, of the plane or the bus or wherever you are and just be offering out Vicodin and Ambien to whoever wants it after the game? When I played early, it was whoever wants it. They have stricter rules. They have to like write down. But yes, you know, but I'm not even saying it is a negative thing. It's like you, right? Those guys are going to be in pain and they're not going to be able to sleep. And if they're in pain, if they're in pain and they can't sleep, they're not going to be very useful to the team. So, right. Any means necessary, right? Because it's a brutal game and we have to find ways to deal, to manage, (laughs) to manage and deal with that, the damage we do. And one form, okay, is knocking ourselves out and masking the pain, right? (laughs) That's one form, right? There's other forms, you know, and I think with cannabis, that's actually not what, not what occurs, so. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that Travis Kelsey, you know, the chief star tight end was saying that um, he his estimate was 50 to 80 percent of NFL players use cannabis these days, you know, possibly more than in your day because the testing was a lot uh, stricter. But makes some sense, given the, the pain management that people have to figure out. But also legalization. Like you drive in any legal city, you see cannabis billboards all the time. Right. Where even when I was going through everything, you know, it was like secretive and it was hidden and you had to know someone and they had to come to the door. You know, now, you know, you can just get in your No, you can just deli- you can have it delivered. Well, um, uh, before we go, just anything that you're you're excited about, both in your in your personal projects or, or you know, this NFL season. Um, what's what's uh, exciting for you right now? Yeah, I mean, kind of what I talked about is this being creative and taking ideas and years of study and turning them into something that people can use and find value in, you know, because football is great. And I'm sure I entertained a lot of people, but it wasn't as fulfilling as like giving someone something that they can use to make their lives better. All right. Ricky Williams. Always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the show. Of course. Thank you. That's it for today. Hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating on your podcast app. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.